All right, gracious be to our loving Father that we are again able to meet together after our celebration or observance of the Feast of Trumpets. As we all know, the Feast of Trumpets signals also a call to action for us to repent so that we can receive the blessing of our Father in heaven. Because every Moody, Yehovah has intended blessings for each one of us. It's a special day for us. It's also a special day for our Father because it is his nature to bless it is his nature to love. And so when we meet together in the holy convocation for the Day of Atonement, it is his desire to bless us in a very special way. And so in preparation of for the Day of Atonement, uh, we believe it is but fitting that we talk about sin because the Day of Atonement is about atonement for our sins. And so there are questions about sin we need to look into that we need to understand so that we can also fully prepare ourselves for the Day of Atonement. So what are the questions we're going to be discussing or answering uh, today in this episode of the B2A? Well, questions about sin. We'll have four questions we're going to address. First, what is sin? Uh, next, if my sins were already forgiven at the cross, why do I still ask God for forgiveness? What is willful sinning that cannot be forgiven? according to Hebrews 10.26, and what does true repentance mean? And so let's begin with the first question, what in fact is sin? The Bible tells us in 1 John 3.4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And so sin is defined as lawlessness, and the law referred to here by the Apostle John, if you look at his entire book and collection of books that he wrote to the early followers of our King Yahusha, lawlessness refers to the act or the disregard for the Ten Commandments of our Father. So the Ten Commandments is the standard. If we break the Ten Commandments, what is that called? It is called sin. So sin is a breaking of one of the Ten Commandments of our Father Yahuwah. And so when our King Yahusha came to preach here on earth during his ministry, he did not abolish the Ten Commandments. In fact, if you read Matthew 5.17, he says, I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. The Greek word to fulfill means to fully make known or to fully preach. And so when Yahusha came, he clearly tells us he did not abolish the Ten Commandments, but to make it fully known so that we will know how to obey correctly the Ten Commandments. This is why when he talked about some of the Ten Commandments, like murder and adultery, he said the following, Matthew 5, 21, 22. You have heard it, that it was said uh, to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, you know what Raka means? In our vernacular today, it's basically the equivalent of calling someone an idiot. <laughs> so when you call someone an idiot, you call him Raka. Yahushua says, whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. So according to Yahushua, 
it's not just the letter of the law that we need to consider. We have to also consider the spiritual purpose, the deeper purpose of the law. This is why sin is committed, not simply by the act, but also by one's words. And so we can sin by speech. When we curse someone, when we call someone raka, when we call someone you fool, we are guilty of murder. What also did our King Yahushua teach us about the Ten Commandments? Matthew 5, 27, 28. You have heard the commandment. It says you must not commit adultery. We know this. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So one is guilty of sin. Even if one doesn't commit the act, it is enough for a person to lust or to look with lust. And so one can commit the sin in one's mind. And so sin is defined as breaking the Ten Commandments, which includes not only the sin of action, but also sin in speech, sin in thought. That's what sin is as defined by the Holy Scripture. And so when we look at the standard taught by our King Yahushua, we know we are guilty of much sin because oftentimes in our anger, we kind of blurt out a lot of names. A lot of curses perhaps have come from our lips. And so we know we are guilty of sin. And there's also something we have to consider about sin that's in relation to our relationship with Yahuwah and Yahusha. What is that? In the book of Matthew 6, verse 12, it says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And, and Luke, when he wrote that passage of what Yahusha taught, this is how he renders it. And forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So according to our King Yahushua, sin is considered a debt. So when one commits sin, he or she is in debt. And so sin is debt. It means you have to pay for sin. What are the wages of sin? It is death. This is why human beings have been appointed to die because of sin. Take a look at Adam and Eve. Because of their one sin, they were decreed to die. We are guilty not just of one sin, but many sins. And so because of our sin, it is considered death. We have to pay the wages of sin. And this satisfies the holiness of Yahuwah. And this, the wages of sin is death. It's a good thing that we have eternal life through the gift of God, through our King Yahusha HaMashiach, which is why Yahuwah gave him so that he can die on the cross for our sins. So, beloved brethren, do you believe that your sins have been redeemed, paid for by the shed blood of our King Yahushua on the cross? Yes, we believe that. This is why we believe all of our sins have been forgiven. Our sins in mind, sins in uh, speech, and sins of action have been forgiven by our King. Which takes us to the next question. If my sins were already forgiven at the cross, then why do I still ask God for forgiveness? How many here have thought about this question before? Have you ever wondered about that? Why do I keep asking God for forgiveness when Yahuwah has already forgiven my sins? Because Yahushua was 
nailed on the cross for my sins. This is what it says in Colossians 2. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all, all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The Bible tells us that because we are sinners, there's a list of charges against us. Those are the debts of sin. Well, what did Yahuwah do? Because of Yahusha who died on the cross. Bible says the charges, our debts, were nailed on the cross. And so it's no longer accounted against us. This is why it says we are forgiven all our sins through our king, Yahusha, because our sins, the consequences of these sins, have been nailed to the cross. And how effective was this sacrifice of our king when he died on the cross? Hebrews 7.27, unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And so the sin of our King Yahushua was not a regular sin offering. It was a sacrifice of himself. And so unlike the other priests who offered bulls and goats and sheep, he offered himself who was not only perfect, he was also the son of God and he gave himself up. And so his sacrifice of himself was considered perfect because of his perfect sacrifice. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And because we are being perfected forever, this is called the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is why Yahusha's perfect sacrifice has paid for and atoned for our sins. It was nailed on the cross, which leads us to the question, why do we still need to ask for forgiveness? If the perfect sacrifice of our King Yahushua has already canceled all of our debts, well, why do we still pray and ask, please forgive our sins? Well, Matthew 6, 9 to 12, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it, is in, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The Bible tells us, Yahushua himself teaches us that when we pray, we include a part in our prayer where we ask that our debts be forgiven. And so we ask that our sins be forgiven. And who also taught us that our sins, that we should ask uh, the Father to forgive our sins. In the book of 1 John 1, 8-9, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who taught us that we should ask for forgiveness. The Apostle John, who was very close to our king. Yahushua, after all, he was an apostle, and he was the apostle who was loved by who? Yahushua, right? And so we know Apostle John knows what he's talking about. Our King Yahushua tells us when we pray, ask for forgiveness. 
Apostle John tells us when we pray, we should ask for forgiveness. Why? Because we continue to sin, true or false, after we were baptized and created anew in the body of our King Yahusha as a new creation with Yahusha being our head. Does it mean we stop sinning? If we're going to be honest, we continue to sin, right? How many here remember the day when they were baptized? For some, it was a long, long time ago. I mean, how many sins have you done ever since you were baptized? You probably would not, not be able to count. And so it's true that we continue to sin, right? We sin, you sin, everybody sins. If a person says, I do not sin, person deceives himself so we continue to sin because even though we have been redeemed we still have our sinful nature we still have the flesh and so Yahushua tells us the apostles tell us we need to continue to ask for forgiveness of our sins which again takes us to the question well if my sins were already forgiven at the cross why do I still have to ask God for forgiveness and so what kind of forgiveness of sins was covered on the cross when Yahushua was uh, died and suffered for us. Romans 5, 9 to 10, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, were reconciled, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life what does it mean that our sins have been uh, redeemed covered what does it mean our sins have been forgiven by the shed blood of our king Yahushua? it means by his blood we have been justified what does it mean that we have been justified we have been put right how can we be put right before yahuwah when our debts are fully paid remember sin is likened to what debt and so when our sins were blotted out the record of the charges against us was nailed on the cross we are now justified no more debts and so that's a legal position to be in and so apostle paul speaking in legal terms here so legally we have been pardoned of our sins and so there's no more debt for us to pay and so this allows us to be reconciled with god through our king Yahushua HaMashiach. But when does this take effect? When will our sins and our debts no longer be a problem for us because it has been canceled? In the book of Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Yahushua, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So, so long as we are in Christ Yahushua, we, there's no more condemnation. If we are in Christ Yahushua, our debts have been paid for. Our sins have been paid for. And so what this tells us is about judicial forgiveness. This is why our King Yahushua tells us that sin is likened to a debt. If your debts have been forgiven, judicially, you can no, you're no longer required to pay anything else. Your sins have already been Forgiven. What this means is we're saved from wrath. We're saved on the day of judgment. Not because of our works, but because of what Yahushua had done on the cross. Well, why do we still need to ask for forgiveness? Well, 
when we were paid for by the sacrifice of our King Yahushua, when he died and with his shed blood, our sins have been forgiven, what also happened to us? Let's read the book of Ephesians uh, 1, 5 to 7. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Yahushua Christ. This is what we wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with his blood, with the blood of the son, and forgave our sins. So when our sins were forgiven, we're going to be saved, right? But when our sins were forgiven, not only from a legal standpoint where our debts canceled, we were also transferred to the household of Yahuwah. It means we were adopted as his sons and daughters. So the blood of our King Yahushua, not only does it legally cancel our debts, it has also made us a part of Yahuwah's family. Isn't that good? That's the best news of all, isn't it? But if we are children of God, it does come with responsibilities. Yahuwah has a purpose for why he called us into his household to be his children. What is one of those reasons? Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God, because we have been adopted as sons and daughters of Yahuwah, what is our responsibility as his children? We have to imitate him in everything he does. And what does that mean? We have to live a life filled with what? Love. And so we, we follow as an example, the son of God, our king, Yahushua. And so because we belong to the family of Yahuwah, we belong to Yahushua, we ought to live by a different standard. The standard of our king, Yahushua. That's why he's our example. We follow what he does. And so when we do not follow the teaching of our king, Yahushua, what is that considered? That is sin, right? And Yahuwah does not want us to live our life with disregard to Yahushua and his teachings. He wants us to live a life filled with love. And so... When we continue to receive this blessing from our father, Yahuwah, and, and also his son, Yahushua, we enjoy the benefits of fellowship. Fellowship with Yahuwah and Yahushua means that we live our life following the teachings of Yahuwah and Yahushua. This is what Yahushua says in John 14. Yahushua replied, all who love me, will do what I say. My father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the father who sent me. So King Yahushua tells us, if we truly belong to the father and to Yahushua, then we were called to love Yahuwah and Yahushua, and we show this by obeying the commands. And so the children of God have the responsibility to live a life of love. 
to love Yahuwah and Yahusha, and to love our fellow men as we love ourselves. And way, the way we express and follow that love is by keeping the Ten Commandments, because the Ten Commandments is all about love. This is why King Yahusha says, if you love me, follow my commandments. Because if you, and when you follow my commandments, then my father and myself will make our home with each of you. And so this is what Kifuwa wants. He wants us to have fellowship, to have a relationship with him. And when we have a relationship with Yahuwah and Yahusha, that's when we're living our best life. You know, sometimes when you are on Facebook or on YouTube, there are those who kind of post, living my best life. And they put like a post there in, in some vacation somewhere. They're doing something, living their best life. Beloved brethren, we live our best life and we live in fellowship with Yahuwah and Yahusha because that's why he called us into his family in the first place. I mean, we all have families, right? As a parent, when you have children, what is your purpose with your children? You want to have fellowship with them. You want to have a relationship with them. We don't just create children so that they can do something for us. We don't create children just for the sake of creating children. We create, we, we, we want to have children because we want to share our love with them and their love reciprocated with us. It's called a relationship. It's the same thing with our father, Yahuwah. He wants to relate with us. This is why he wants us to obey his commands and he wants us to have fellowship with him. Additionally, because the father is our God, God is our father, he wants us to enjoy the blessing of fellowship and not to suffer the consequence of sin. You see, when we live on earth, yes, we're going to be sinners. Yahuwah knows it. We're going to commit sin. And every sin that we commit, it has consequences, right? I mean, if we disobey the command of God, it's going to bring something uh, that is not good for our well-being. And so the commandments is also given to protect us so that we will enjoy well-being, peace, and love, even while we are here on earth. So our Father wants us to endure the fellowship of obedience and not suffer the consequences of disobedience. This is why when we disobey, we, the result is the consequence of sin. And so when we're living the consequence of sin, Yahuwah wants to remove that consequence but if he will do that, he needs to first forgive us. Because if he will disregard uh, sin, then he's no longer holy, is he? He is holy and loving. And so for Yahuwah to remove the consequences of sin in our life, so that we can have a better life, we need to first have forgiveness. And so this is what we call relational forgiveness. This is why even if legally we have been saved from the wrath of Yahuwah, because we still live our life on earth, we make decisions sometimes that bring consequences that kind of ruin our relationship with each other and our relationship with the Father and His Son, Yahushua. And so we need to ask for relationship forgiveness, a relational forgiveness. The purpose of that is so that our relationship with our Father, Yahuwah, and His Son, Yahushua, can blossom and thrive. We need to always work on our relationship with our Father, who is holy. And so we need to keep that in mind. So when we ask for daily forgiveness, Yahusha says, 
in this manner, therefore, pray. He's speaking about relational forgiveness. This is why he says in this manner, therefore, pray our father. He did not say, therefore, pray our judge. Yahuwah is judge, but he's also our father. But because of the shed blood on the cross, we are no longer, we, Yahuwah is no longer our judge. He is now our father. And so when we ask forgiveness after we have been covered by the shed blood of our King Yahusha, it is referring to the relational forgiveness so that our relationship with Yahuwah and Yahusha will thrive and continue to grow. And now because our father, because Yahuwah is our father, what will Yahuwah do? Because he wants us to grow in character and in love. The book of Hebrews 12, 5 to 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of Yahuwah's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For Yahuwah disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. And so Yahuwah knows that once a person is no longer in fellowship with Yahusha, that person, the debts, that is uh, the result of sin, is no longer, is no longer covered by that. Yahuwah does not want that to happen. And so what does he do for the sake of his children? He disciplines his children. He punishes his children. What's his purpose? For why Yahuwah punishes and disciplines his children. So that they would remain in fellowship with our king, Yahusha. Because when a person continues to live a life of sin, the sin does something with their mind. What is that? They cor it corrupts their mind and eventually they want to remove themselves from our king, Yahusha. And so Yahuwah wants to discipline us so that we will remain within Yahusha, because outside of Yahusha, there's condemnation. In Yahusha, there's no condemnation, which takes us to the question, is it possible to fall from the grace of salvation? What do you think? Is that possible? Is it possible to fall from the grace of salvation? Because there are those who preach today, who, who mention eternal security. Yahusha has purchased for us eternal security. That's true. But for us to be eternally secure, we need to be in Christ. But once we're out of Christ, then we're no longer eternally secure. And so this, we ask the question, is it possible to fall from the grace of salvation? Yes, because it happened before. Where? Eden. Adam and Eve were created perfect. They were given a perfect place to live. Everything they needed, everything they wanted, it was already there. And so they were in a state of grace, but they fell from grace. Why? Because they had a freedom to choose. And so they freely chose to disobey. We, when we were added to the body of Christ, are we enjoying grace? Absolutely. If we're in the body of our King Yahusha, we have the grace of salvation. It's because of what Yahuwah did, what Yahusha did, that gives us salvation. However, if we can choose to be baptized, can we also choose to step away from Yahushua? Yeah, because our freedom of choice was not taken away from us, was it? And so we still can choose, a person can choose 
to lead Yahushua. And sadly, there are many people who do that. Have you heard of people who all their life they were religious, they worship God, they worship Christ, but something happens and all of a sudden they kind of uh, reject the gospel. They become atheists or agnostics. They walk away from our King Yahushua. And so when a person walks away from our King Yahushua, they walk out of him, they basically fall from grace. It's by their choice. Yahushua gives us our choice. We should never choose to walk away from our king. But sometimes it happens. And so when one walks away from Yahushua, we call that apostasy. They depart from the faith. They fall away from grace. It happened in the Garden of Eden. It can also happen even after tasting the gift of being in fellowship with God and his son. In the book of Hebrews 6, 46, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Is it possible to fall from grace? Is it possible for one who is in Yahushua to fall out of Yahushua? Yeah. This is why Hebrews writes us in Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. It mentions those who have been enlightened. And so they taste the heavenly gift. They experience the power of the Holy Spirit. They taste the goodness of the word of God. They experience the powers of the coming age. And so all of that was given to them because they were adopted as children of Elohim in Christ Yahushua. They experienced the heavenly gift. But then they, they still decide to follow A. The Bible says there's no longer, they can no longer be brought back to repentance. You see that. So it's possible to fall from Yahushua. And this is not what we want to happen. And who are those who fall away from Yahushua? Let's read John 15, 46. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is uh, severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. If we are in Christ Yahushua, we no longer have to pay the penalty for sin. Legally, our debts have been canceled. And so we're saved from the wrath of God. We're going to be saved and receive everlasting life. But if we walk out of Yahushua, then that no longer applies. This is why King Yahushua, he tells us, remain in me. Because there are people who choose not to remain in him. And so when we remain in him, he will remain in us. The choice is still up to us, isn't it? We can choose to remain, but there are people who choose not to remain. And so Yahushua says, okay, have it your way. And so he, this person no longer believes in Yahushua. They reject Yahushua. 
And sadly, there are people who post on Reddit sometimes. And there are people who grew up knowing about Yahoo, knowing about God, knowing about Christ. And certain, certain things happen in their life, and now they completely reject God and Christ, right? They have fallen. They have chosen to reject Yahushua. We don't want this to happen to you. And Yahuwah does not want this to happen to us. This is why while we are in Christ Yahushua, we need to always ask for forgiveness so that we don't end up walking away from him. Because when we ask for forgiveness, we're managing the sin so it doesn't reign in our life, causing us to leave our king, Yahushua. This is why we still ask for forgiveness. What kind of forgiveness? Relational forgiveness so that we can maintain our relationship with Yahushua because when a lot when we no longer have that relationship with our king Yahushua then we have a legal problem in our hands we have to pay the debts of sin the wages of sin which is death and so we need to remain in Christ Yahushua so that we can remain a son and daughter of God because it's possible for God to disown us like what he said to Israel and Yahuwah said to Moses how long will these people treat me with Contempt. Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs that have been among them? I will disown them. And so even if we are sons and daughters, Yahuwah can decide to disown us. We don't want that. Yahuwah gives us the choice. He doesn't take away our free will. We are in Christ Yahushua. It's still up to us to make the choice to remain in the family of God. Let us make that choice beloved brethren. Okay, so let's go to our next question. What is willful sinning that cannot be forgiven according to Hebrews 10.26? And that's precisely the problem that leads many people to walk away because of willful sinning. Bible tells us that there's such a thing as willful sinning, and what does that mean? In Hebrews 10.26, it tells us, for if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. So here the Apostle Paul Tells us about those who sin willfully. Is it a big, big problem for a person to sin willfully? Absolutely. Why? Because if one sins willfully, the Bible tells us there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What does that mean? Their sins are no longer forgiven. If we read Hebrews 10 26 and we read 27 all the way to 29, it's bad news. You know, we started out with the bad news of sin and then the good news of salvation but if we walk away from Yahusha we go back to the bad news and the bad news becomes even worse if you read 27 29 the bible says if we walk away from Yahusha after all this we sin willfully we cheapen the blood of our king Yahusha we make it a common thing and we insult the, sin, the holy spirit of grace and so it's worse for us this is why we should not sin willfully because if we sin willfully, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And so the question is, beloved brethren, have we committed that sin? Willful sin? How many here have sinned willfully? Raise your hand if you've sinned willfully. You might be asking, what does it mean, brother, to sin willfully? What does that mean? Because when you think about it, when you commit a sin, it is a choice that you make for example you choose to steal you choose to lie you choose to gossip when you make a choice there is willful volition and so in that sense it is a willful sin right 
I mean, is there a sin that you know about that is not willful? Maybe if you have no knowledge about the word of God, right? But if you have knowledge about the word of God, you sin, well, that's willful sin. So what does it mean to sin willfully? Because if we're going to just look at the terms sin willfully, I'm guilty of that. And I'm sure everyone here is guilty of sinning willfully. This is why we need to understand the full scope of what it means to sin willfully. When we look at willfully in the, in the Greek, it is the Greek word tekosios, Greek word 1596, which means voluntarily, willingly of one's own accord. Again, this takes us to a problem. All sins, people usually do it because they make the choice to sin, right? And so what does it mean that we are sinning willfully? That means no longer being forgiven of our sins. Well, this Greek word is also used in 1 Peter 5, 2. In 1 Peter 5, 2, it says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. And so this tells us some of the nuance of what it means to sin willfully. Here, Apostle Peter is instructing the shepherds or the elders to shepherd the flock of God. So let's say there are two elders. One elder shepherds the flock of God, but does so by compulsion. When a shepherd, when a, an elder shepherds the flock of God out of compulsion, is he doing it willfully? Yeah, he's doing it because he makes the choice to do it, but it's by compulsion. In other words, there's a part of him that really doesn't want to do it. But because of compulsion, he decides to do it. Maybe because he doesn't want to write a suicide, right? Or maybe because he doesn't want to suffer a certain consequence. And so what does he do? He obeys willfully. So it's possible to obey willfully, even if your whole being doesn't really agree with it. There's a part of you that's holding you back, restricting you from obeying. But you still do it. You still do it willfully. The Bible says that's by compulsion. There's also those... Uh, elders who shepherd the flock of God willingly because or eagerly, not by compulsion, but because it's what they really want to do. And so this suggests to us two different kinds of willing, a deliberate, eager, and wholehearted willing, and a willing because of compulsion. In other words, they committed the sin because of temptation because of the flesh, because of some kind of compulsion. And so there are two different kinds of willing. And so when it mentions in Hebrews 10, 26, uh, sinning willfully, which means no longer remaining a sacrifice for sins, what is that sin? Well, when we look at the word sin, it is the word hamartenio, the Greek word. And when you look at how it's parsed in Greek, it is a verb. But take note, it is a present tense verb, which means the use of the present tense for the Greek word for sin suggests go on sinning. And so when the Apostle Paul wrote in Hebrews 10, 26, willfully sin, he, what he was communicating to us is a person who goes on sinning purposely and deliberately. This is why in other translations of Hebrews 10.26, it says if we sin, if we deliberately keep on sinning, 
after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. And so if we were to ask, well, what is the sin or the willful sin that we commit? That means we are no longer forgiven by the blood of Christ. Is there such a sin? Well, the sin that is no longer forgiven mentioned in Hebrews 26 is not, it's not a one-time act, but an eager, deliberate, willing, persistent, and unchanging pattern of sin. And so Hebrews 10.26, the willing sinner, the sinner who's willingly committing the sin, it's talking about their habit. It's talking about their character. They willfully sin because they willfully rejected Yahusha and Yahuwah. And they walked away from Yahuwah and Yahusha. And look at the consequence of that sin. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God on the foot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant has sanctified him, and who has insulted the spirit of grace? You see, when we willfully sin, meaning we purposely reject Yahusha and walk out from Yahusha, we no longer remain in him. Bible says there's a fearful expectation of judgment because if during the Old Testament if a person disobeyed the command of God they would according to the law of Moses they would die without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses how much more the apostle tells us when a man has rejected and walked away from Yahushua after he sacrificed greatly for us on the cross and we walk away from that. We repeatedly reject Yahushua. We purposely, deliberately, eagerly, with all of our heart, reject Yahushua. The equivalent of that is like we're trampling the Son of God underfoot, like treating the blood of the covenant as an unholy thing, and we insult the spirit of grace. And so we fall from grace. We want to protect ourselves from that. Beloved brethren, we don't want to suffer this warning. This is a warning by the Apostle Paul because it's possible. It's possible for us to reject Yahushua. And by rejecting Yahushua, it's possible for us to suffer this. And we want to avoid that. This is why what we need to do to avoid that is to recognize the pattern of sin. In our life, how does it start? How can a person who before believed and prayed to Yahuwah and Yahusha, how can a person deliberately walk away eagerly without compulsion, but they do so willfully, eagerly? Why do they do that? Well, it's because of the pattern of sin. You see, beloved brethren, the reason why we need to keep asking for forgiveness is because sin does something. There is the consequence of sin that is external. But there's also the consequence of sin that is what? Internal. Take a look at this, Hebrews 3. Beware, uh, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. When a person departs from the living God, that's the apostasy. That's walking away. That's falling away. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be 
hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And so what does sin do internally? It hardens our heart. You see, when we sin day by day by day, and we don't ask for forgiveness if we don't repent our sins, and when we say repent our sins, it means true repentance, okay? If we don't truly repent from our sins and we sin day after day after day, we're not even acknowledging the sin, it's going to do something to our heart. What is that? It's going to harden our heart. And a hard heart eventually leads to departing from God. They fall away from grace. What also does sin do? For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, sin adversely affects our mind and also our heart. And so when, because of unrepented sin, when we don't ask for forgiveness and confess our sins to Yahuwah and Yahusha, something will happen to our mind, something will happen to our, our heart, our hearts will be hardened and darkened, our thinking will become futile, and the result, we fall away. We fall away from our relationship with our king, Yahusha. And when that happens, we are no longer forgiven of our sins. This is what Apostle Paul is warning us about. So we need to be aware of the pattern of apostasy. What is that? There is a repeating pattern of sin in our life. And this results in futile thinking. Our hearts become hardened. Eventually, we fall away from grace. We fall away from our king, Yahusha. We fall away from our father, Yahuwah. We don't want to fall away. And so what must we do so that we can kind of counter the possibility of falling away? You notice Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. Let us read uh, what is above it. You kind of see the context. And this is what it says above it. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. And so to counter the pattern of apostasy falling away, the apostle told us in Hebrews 6, 1 to 3, there's something that we ought to do. What is that? We ought to leave the elementary teachings and go on to maturity. Do you know what that means, beloved brethren? It means we should not be satisfied with yesterday's words or yesterday's teachings. We should not be satisfied with what we learned before. We need to what? Grow. We need to become mature because there's so much more to learn. Yahuwah wants us to learn. Yahuwah wants us to grow in wisdom. Yahuwah wants us to grow in the spirit. This is why we need to regularly study the word of Abba. Because when we study, when we learn, we apply what we learn with the spirit of love and faith, then we become mature. And so what this tells us is either we are growing spiritually or we are falling away. There is no in between. <laughs> Yahusha says, if you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Do, do you see that, beloved brethren? We can either be zealous or we can be cold. But if we're lukewarm, it also we get tossed by our king. Yeah, this is why we have to grow spiritually. 
It's either we're moving forward or we're going backward. Let's choose to move forward because if we fall away, there's no repentance that, we can, that can bring us back. While we have the opportunity, we need to repent so that we can grow. So purpose of repentance is to grow in our relationship with Jehovah and Yahusha. This takes us to the last question. Well, what does true repentance, what does it mean? Well, I believe true repentance is a process, okay? It's not one-time thing. It's a process. True repentance is a step-by-step -step process that, that uh, has four elements to it. And the first element is self-examination. That's how we begin to repent. We need to examine self. Apostle Paul says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Yahushua Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So we need to test our faith. We need to test ourselves. And when we test ourselves, uh, what must we do? Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to Yahuwah and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So when we examine self, what must be willing, what must we be willing to acknowledge that we're guilty? Because sometimes people like to make excuses for their sins. No, we need to acknowledge. We need to say, yes, I confess I'm guilty of that sin. Don't try to hide it, but confess the sin. When people try to hide their sin with the rationale explanations, when they give explanations or excuses for their sin, it doesn't, it, it's, it's going to work against them. This is what it says in Psalms. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. You see, sin has a negative effect in one's overall well-being. It affects your mind, your heart, your body. Okay? And I groan all day long. Day and night, their hand of discipline was heavy in me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to Yahuwah, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. And so when we are experiencing misfortune, when we are groaning, when our body is wasting away, what we need to do instead of saying, oh, this is just a test. Because a lot of times that's our immediate response. This is just a test. Well, what if it's not? What if it's the consequence of sin in our life? The only way, what we need to do is examine self, confess sin. When once we acknowledge and confess our sins, and he forgives us our sins, then we, can, we begin to heal. We begin to thrive. We begin to enjoy true fellowship with Yahuwah and Yahusha. And so let us examine self. But it's easier said than done. Sometimes it's not that easy to examine self. So let us pray to Yahuwah. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And so what we can do is to ask Yahuwah, search me, test me, show to me anything that offends you. And so, you know, while we prepare for the Day of Atonement, we need to practice this. We need to examine ourselves. From the time the trumpet sounded, we ought to be examining self. We need to ask our Father, search me, test me, point out anything that might offend you. So that's the beginning of uh, repentance. We examine self. And then after that, we need to have new thoughts. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, each of you must 
repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Bible tells us repent for the forgiveness of your sins. The, key, the Greek word repent is Greek word 3340, which is metanoeo. And so what does it actually mean when the Bible tells us to repent? Well, the definition of repentance actually means to change one's mind, to think differently. This is why after we examine self and we confess we're guilty of that sin, we need to change our mind. We need to change our thinking. Ephesians 4 says, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And so we need to let the spirit change our thinking. What must we not let, uh, what must we not allow our thinking to be shaped by? Because the Bible tells us, let the spirit renew your thinking or your thoughts and attitudes. What must we not allow our thinking to be shaped by? Bible says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Unfortunately, that's the default. By default, we adopt the customs and behaviors of the world, especially during the age of social media. We adopt the customs and behavior of the social media, right? That's what's affecting our thoughts. Bible says, no, don't do that. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because if we examine self, but we don't change the way we think, eventually we're going to go back to our old way of doing things. Because what we do comes from how we think. If we're still stuck in the same way of thinking, our habitual sins are going to keep doing what it's going to do habitually. And so we need to change our thinking. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from, their, from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So we need to be aware of our thoughts. And this is not something we, that we typically do. We normally do not think about our thinking. It's called metacognition. Metacognition means thinking about what you're thinking. And so we need to practice that. We need to think about what we're thinking every day in our life. What am I thinking about? When I feel this way, what am I thinking about? When I commit sin, what am I thinking about? When I'm tempted, what am I thinking about? We need to think about what we think. And then when we realize what we're thinking is against the teaching of Yahushua, we need to capture them and give it to subjection to our king, Yahushua. Because thinking is the beginning, really. That is like the, the solid part of repentance. And so let the wicked change the ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. And part of our thinking should include willingness to change. We read this verse, which is very popular, and we, it's, it says, come now, let us reason together, says Yahuwah, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, they, they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That's true. Yahuwah is such a forgiving God. He will forgive us. But verse 19 is something we need to keep in mind. If, what does that word if mean? Conditional. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Yahuwah is willing to forgive our sins, even if 
it's scarlet red or red like crimson. He is going to make it snow like snow. He's going to make it as wool. That's the loving nature of our father. But there's only one person he cannot forgive. You know who that person is? That people cannot forgive? Who do you think? The one who's not willing. Why would Yahuwah forgive if they're not willing? This is why we have to change our thinking so that we can be willing. Because if you are not willing, then you cannot be forgiven. We need to be willing, and that's what repentance means. Willing to change. If we go to Yahuwah and he sees we are willing to change, in a heartbeat, he will forgive us and make our sins, which are red and crimson, to be like white as snow and wool. That's element number two of repentance. Next, we need to purify our hearts. So we change our thinking. We're willing to obey. But we also need to do something with our hearts. What is that? The book of Joel says, but even now, says Yehovah, repent sincerely and return to me with fasting and weeping and mourning. Let your broken heart show your sorrow. Tearing your clothes is not enough. Come back to Yahuwah, your God. He is kind, full of mercy. He is patient and keeps his promise. He's always ready to forgive and not punish. He wants to forgive us, but he also wants us to repent. And repent, repentance, true repentance involves the mind, like what we showed you, right? But it also involves what? The heart. The mind and heart must be working together. What does it mean? To repent from the mind. We agree with Yahuwah. What does it mean to repent with our heart? We repent sincerely. It means we show our weeping and mourning in our broken heart and show sorrow. That's how we truly repent. It's heartfelt, not simply professed by the mouth or thought of by the mind. It has to be felt with our heart so that we can repent. And when we repent, we need to return to Yahuwah. But for us to return to Yahuwah, what's another aspect of repentance that we must always remember? Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of Joy. So when we repent and since and we repent sincerely, it involves our emotion. There's tears and sorrow and sadness and grief. And when we repent sincerely, it also means we've made a choice to be loyal to who? Yahuwah. Not the world. He can only have one master, not two. This is why when we repent, we make a choice. A lot of times the reason why we commit sin is because our loyalties is for the world and not for Yahuwah. And so when we repent, we purify our hearts, we make a loyalty pledge to our Father Yahuwah. Do you know who a good example is of one who repented with not only his mind, but also his heart? In the book of Psalm 51, now, this is what it says, uh, 3 to 4 and 10, 11. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blame and blameless when you judge. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Beloved brethren, do you know who spoke this passage? Or who wrote this passage? It was David. David. And he wrote this passage because of his great sin against Yahuwah. We all know about that sin, right? It was when he committed adultery and murder. Very heinous sins. Nathan confronts him and tells him, Yahuwah knows about your sin. He confesses his sin, but he was punished by God. He was punished by God. And we know that when we commit sin, Yahuwah is going to punish us. Now, when we're being punished by Yahuwah because of our sin, what is our reaction? Do we feel good or do we feel bad? We feel bad, right? But when we are being punished by Yahuwah and we feel bad, why do we feel bad? Do we feel bad because we lose the benefits? Do we feel bad because of the punishment on the consequence of sin? Is that when we feel bad? Could be, right? I mean, nobody feels good when they're being punished. But David, when he was punished, do you know what bothered him more than anything? It wasn't the consequence of the sin that bothered him. What really bothered him, that made him think about his sin day and night. That's why he says, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. It's what he's thinking about all day long, all night long. Do you know why he's bothered by that? Look at verse 4. It says, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. What bothered him the most was because his sin grieved Yahuwah. And so because of that, he would lose the presence of Yahuwah. This is why it grieved him so much. Beloved brethren, when we commit sin, are we more concerned about losing the blessing that comes from obedience or receiving the punishment of sin? Or are we concerned about our relationship with Yahuwah? You see, with David, his repentance was all about restoring that relationship with Yahuwah. That's why he says, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So when we repent, when we approach Yahuwah and Yahusha, it's our purpose from our heart should be, our thinking should be, I want to repent from my sins because more than anything, I want to restore my relationship with you. My relationship with your son. That should be our motivation for repentance. Okay, so that's number three. And number four, true repentance includes the fruits of righteousness. Because we can change your mind. We can have a heart that desires the presence of Yahuwah and Yahusha. But if there's no fruit, then we go back to the same problem, right? Matthew 3 says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What does fruit represent? In Matthew 7, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can produce bad fruit and a bad tree can produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just, here it is, as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So when the Bible tells us we should, bear, we should produce the fruit in keeping with repentance, it tells us this has to be something different with our actions. 
right? So our actions have to change because if we repent with mind and heart, but our actions remain the same, is that true repentance? No, ultimately true repentance bears fruit. Without fruit, it's not real repentance. Repentance produces the fruit of good actions and good works. This is why when we truly repent, it results in a new way of life, transformation. And that's what the purpose of repentance is. We repent in our, all throughout our journey until we receive everlasting life. We're going to be repenting all along the way. And when we repent, it's, it's like one transformed life to the next, from glory to glory until we reach ultimate glory. We repent throughout our journey in our Christian walk. And one of the, what, in addition to having a changed life, living a holy life, but also is the fruit of repentance. Take a look at Luke 7, 47, 48. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. And Yahushua said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. You see, one of the fruits of repentance is not only will our sins be forgiven, but we're going to be filled with gratitude and love. Our love for Yahuwah and Yahusha will grow. That's a fruit of repentance. Because Yahuwah called us into his family because of love. And he called us into his family so that we can reciprocate that love. And so brethren, we need to grow in love. That's a fruit of true repentance. Our love grows. What else? Timothy. 115. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Yahushua came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Yahushua could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Here, Apostle Paul, when he realized what he was doing, he repented. And he acknowledged that he was the worst sinner, but because of the mercy of our King Yahushua, he was called into service, and he's been devoted in his work, his calling, his race. You see, the Apostle Paul, when one of the fruits of his repentance was his devotion to his calling. The same thing with us. This is why when Apostle Paul gave this to Timothy, he also said to Timothy, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear for some people have deliberately violated their conscience as a result their faith has been shipwrecked and so one of the fruits of true repentance is our devotion to our calling we have a calling we have a, a general calling in Yahushua we also have specific calling purposes like Timothy like Paul we also have our own ministry we have to be loyal to that and Apostle Paul, because of the repentance, true repentance, he was loyal until the end. He fought the good fight, he finished the race, he remained faithful. And so this is what fruit, this is what the, the fruit of repentance looks like, a changed life. Number one, uh, a growing love for Yahuwah and Yahusha and our, and our fellow men. A commitment to one's calling. And ministry called by Yahuwah and Yahusha. So this is what true repentance looks like.
And so its purpose is so that we can fight against the tendency of apostasy. Throughout scripture, that's the human tendency. Human beings, by default, tend towards apostasy, whether we like it or not. That's just the way it is. It's a human nature. And it begins with a pattern of sin that's not repented. It leads to futile thinking. It leads to a hardened heart. And once that happens, you fall away. Apostasy. And so we know the counter to that is when we realize the pattern of sin, we begin to repent. And it involves self-examination. New thoughts purify our hearts, produce fruits of righteousness. You see how the, the chart on the left matches the right and how the solution to what causes apostasy is found in repentance. This is why repentance is the key so that we will not fall, instead we will grow. See, the purpose of repentance is to spur us to growth, spiritual growth, so that we will not fall into willful sin. So we're almost done. I just want to go back to willful sinning in Hebrews 10, 26, because we are in danger of this. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And so if a person commits adultery, enjoys it, and this person doesn't repent because this person likes adultery, what eventually happens? He, does, he or she doesn't change the pattern of sin. The thinking begins to change. The heart begins to harden. And all of a sudden, this person begins to believe in different things. And they walk away from Yahushua. And so the Bible says no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And so willful sinning is an attitude, right? And it's true for any kind of sin. But here, the Apostle Paul actually writes about a specific sin. When he mentioned this willful sinning, although it applies to different kinds of sin, there's a kind of sin that he specifically applied this to, because the word for, the word for is connective. And so he connects the passage in Hebrews 10.25 with the passage in Hebrews 10.26. So he's speaking about a specific kind of sin. Willful sinning applies to many different kinds of sin. But here, he's speaking about a specific kind of sin because it is relevant to either to apostasy or repentance. What is that? Well, let's read 25 and continue 26. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see that they're approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Apostle Paul spoke about willful sinning. It's about purposely sinning again and again and again without any repentance whatsoever. And Apostle Paul, in this context, was applying it to forsaking our assembling of ourselves together. What is that, brethren? That's a congregational worship service. Apostle Paul says we should not willfully, stubbornly, persistently, eagerly forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Especially when we see that the day is approaching. Do you know why Apostle Paul is emphasizing this congregational worship service? Do you know why? Think about it. Why is it so important for Apostle Paul to highlight the need for 
the assembling of ourselves together for worship. Why do you think that's so important? When you think about the chart that we showed you, repentance, when we assemble together for worship, are we not given the opportunity to examine self, right? And don't we have the opportunity to have new thoughts? Because after all, it's a worship service. What is being taught to us? The word of God. We're being reminded. Don't we have the, the opportunity to purify our hearts? This is why we have been singing. We are singing our loyalty to who? Yahuwah and Yahusha. And isn't that an opportunity to produce the fruits of righteousness? To sacrifice our time, make the effort to actually meet together for worship? Right? And so Paul is about telling us, if we really want to protect our right standing with Yahusha, we need to assemble together regularly. Especially now, when it's so close. The day is fast approaching. We exhort one another, let us meet for worship, because when we meet for worship, who is there in our midst? Who is there in our midst? Our King, Yahushua. Beloved brethren, if our King Yahushua is in our midst, how can we fall away from apostasy? It's only those who have rejected Yahushua who fall away into apostasy. And so, brethren, every day, especially when we meet for worship, let us seek the presence of our King Yahushua. This is the final passage of our studies today in Revelation 3.20.21. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Every day. We should ask Yahusha to enter us. But when we need for worship, that is an opportunity for Yahusha to dine with us. Because when we, when we meet for worship, according to himself, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. Guess what Yahusha is doing? He's knocking on the door of our hearts so that he can enter in us, so that we can be strengthened. Because when Yahusha is in us, we will not fall into apostasy. We will enjoy the blessing of fellowship with Yahushua and fellowship with our Father, Yahuwah. And so we must never forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Instead, we should make priority worship when we congregate together for worship because it was emphasized by our King Yahushua, by our Father, Yahuwah, and by the apostles. It is our lesson. Let us stand. And we shall pray. Everlasting Father, most holy and gracious Abba Yahuwah, thank you so much for showing us the truth about sin. We know that when we commit sin, we grieve your heart. We do not mean to do this. Help us, Father, to practice true repentance. Teach us to examine self. Show to us anything that we are doing, anything that we are thinking that offends you. Especially as we prepare for the day of atonement, when we will recall what you have done for our atonement, for our forgiveness. Father Yahuwah, teach us to afflict our souls, to repent fully, that we can all the more enjoy deep fellowship with you and be closer and closer to you when we feel your presence. That is our true riches in life, that is our gold. Because nothing matters more than you and your fellowship with us. For when we feel your abiding presence.
presence, we are strengthened and we feel joy and peace that surpasses understanding. Our King Yahushua, you gave up your life that we might be called sons and daughters of Abba. We belong to your family now. Help us to cherish it, to be grateful for it, to be thankful, and also to do our best that we will bear fruits that will indicate our thanksgiving and our love for you and the Father. Father, bless us as we continue to prepare for the Day of Atonement and our upcoming other festivals. Bless us, Father, with wisdom. Bless us with the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask you, Father, inasmuch as these appointed festivals are days which are sacred and holy to you, on those days, may you perform your miracles in our life. May you heal each and every one of us. May you strengthen our faith and help us to remain strong at all times. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. We ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.